Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the program, everybody. It's a nice Sunday evening show. And with me today, I've got Rob Guerrera, obviously, of the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Rob, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you coming on. I mean, it's been an interesting start to training camp nonetheless. I mean, obviously the quarterbacks, as always, are at the forefront of the conversation, but there have been a couple of storylines, you know, overall that I've been intrigued with myself. What is just, you know, before we start, what have you kind of taken away from what you've heard and all about 49ers training camp through nine practices? Uh, I've heard that some of the most unbiased, objective reporting is coming from you, who has been crushing it during training camp. So on behalf of 49er fans everywhere, and especially 49er fans far away from the state of California, I just want to say thank you, because it's been very, very frustrating. One of the storylines I feel like for me is you really have to follow a bunch of different people to get a sense of what's actually going on. Because if you're only following one or two, you may not be getting a totally accurate picture. Right. And I mean, that's the interesting thing that I think has really started to blow up this year as more and more delve into it. Last offseason, you know, there were a couple of disparities, but I think people were so fixated on, you know, carrying around the narrative with the stats, buying into it. This year, I'm, I'm glad fans aren't buying into it as much, trying to really figure out for themselves what's going on. And that's where I hope to try and provide an accurate representation of what I've seen. But we've got to start with the topic that's the most talked about the one that's going to cause the most scrutiny and probably be followed through joint practices and the preseason. And that is the quarterbacks. Just overall, what have you, what have you uh, thought about the quarterbacks so far? Well, from everything that I've gathered, and again, I try to go to a bunch of different sources. It seems like no one is really separating themselves very much from one another, except for Brandon Allen, who, from what I've heard, has been either really, really good or really, really bad. But when it comes to Brock, Trey and Sam, the ones that people really care about, they're all kind of in the same boat. It's just that Brock happens to be getting the reps with the first team. And I mean, I don't think that that you you can't really disagree with that. I'm not going to lie. I came into camp hoping that one of the three quarterbacks on this team, regardless of what team that they put, sorry, one of the three top quarterbacks, let's not disregard Brandon Allen, but uh, I, I was hoping that one of them would really separate themselves at least from the pack to give 49ers fans and all just a, a little bit of an understanding of who might be the potential best option on this group. And I've come away a little unimpressed just because we hadn't had that necessarily one standout. We have had solid performances from quarterbacks. Don't want to take away from that, from each of the three. And it's cool to see now as camp comes closer to an end that they're starting to even out. And, you know, you see a couple more good performances than bad from each quarterback. But overall, I, I hate to say it, but I haven't been impressed from San Francisco's three quarterbacks thus far, which to me only intensifies how important the joint practices and portions of the preseason because I don't think Brock Purdy will play in all of the preseason portions of the preseason will be for the 49ers I think this week is going to be huge this is like the first kind of fork in the road separation point for these quarterbacks because it's a first real test right you're going up against somebody else you're not running facing the same defense that you've always faced Kyle Shanahan really really values practices and joint practices so I think this is the first time where we're really going to have an opportunity for one of these guys to separate themselves from the others, good or bad, right? Doesn't We hope it's good, but it could also be bad. But I think this is like the first inflection point, and I'm so excited for Thursday and Friday. I agree. I mean, to me, this is also the first inflection point. Do I think that there's going to be any sort of um, – Disparity from what we've seen so far in terms of the reps, no. But each quarterback should still get an opportunity over the two days, and it's going to be against a top defense because the one interesting part that we've seen, we know the 49ers defensive line is amazing. 
but we really haven't seen the tackles get tested as much with top tier talent because Nick Bosa has not been there. And so now we're going to see Max Crosby go up against Colton McKivitz or Trent Williams and Trent, you know, you don't necessarily worry, but Colton McKivitz is a guy who you really want to see get tested because he's gone against the likes of Drake Jackson and Cleveland Farrell, who, if we are being honest, are average level pass rushers at this point in the NFL, if if that, they're probably even below average pass rushers at the moment with Jackson obviously having the potential to get better. But to me, that's going to be a test. It's the quarterbacks, but also the offensive line will play into how the quarterbacks have played because there have been a lot of sacks, I'll say, thus far in training camp. Yeah, and that's something that obviously it's it's nice when it's just another team because like, okay, there are sacks in training camp, but some people covering the team continue to count what happens after the sack when they talk about the quarterback and that stuff. And some people don't, but I feel like when there's another team, I don't know, maybe that line is a little less blurry, but you're right. Like it's time to see if the narrative about Colton McKivitt's looking pretty good. Does that hold up when he faces another team or is it just when he's, you know, going against coworkers, let's say in practice. And also like, I'm a little worried about Max Crosby. Like he's, an intense guy. I don't know if you watched the quarterback uh, series on Netflix, but when they play and the chiefs played the Raiders, like he was constantly hitting Patrick Mahomes to the point where Mahomes was like, dude, like enough. And uh, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past him to maybe take a shot at one of these quarterbacks. And if he does, it is going to be bedlam. All hell will break loose at that point. You already saw Kyle get mad when one of his own players hit the quarterback in the arm, which you know, Kyle, Kyle was not happy after that. Now, when it's another player going after your own quarterback, you are a little worried in that sense. But I do want to bring up one tweet when we're talking about the quarterbacks overall. I saw Vish Kumaran put out a tweet the other day that I agreed with on my ride home from training camp. And it was the 49ers having four quarterbacks, four good quarterbacks. That's not necessarily a good thing. No. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. We we talked this past Wednesday, and it, it's a sentiment that I believe not like a lot of people are trying to push the fact that having more options, even if they're good, is a good thing for the room. Now, it's important to have depth at a position, especially a position of value like quarterback. It's, it's cool to have depth. But what do you think about that sentiment and the fact that the 49ers where their quarterback situation currently is? I completely agree with the tweet. You know, the great George Carlin once said, I never dated a 10, but I dated five twos. Those are not the same thing. And that's what I feel like the 49ers are trying to tell you, like, great, we've got a bunch of good quarterbacks. But I don't need a bunch of good quarterbacks. Only one plays at a time. Give me one great one. That's what we need to be searching for. Don't worry so much about the depth. And I get it. Like, we're all scarred. We all carry the scars and the trauma of going through not only last season, but let's face it, this team has only had one fully healthy quarterback season since 2014. So we're, I get it. I get the baggage that comes with that, but we can't lose the focus of what we really should be aiming for. And that is one quarterback that's really good, that can stay really healthy. And I think the 49ers are a little bit shell-shocked because of what has happened recently. And unfortunately, I think that that has also hurt their current thinking because when you talk about the depth at the position, you're, you're right. Having four good quarterbacks does not matter when only one plays on the field. And so when you don't have that really good option, that does stunt your stunt your growth. And the 49er fans have seen that firsthandedly, especially in the Super Bowl, when you know a few plays that a quarterback could have made likely wins them their first ring in a long, long time. And so right now, I have to say, looking overall at the quarterback situation, I don't know if that quarterback is there on the roster. And that might come as, you know, a lot of fans coming coming at me because I'm saying that the 49ers necessarily don't might not have their franchise quarterback. But I truly don't know because I don't think that you can really point at one of the options and say, especially after what we've seen through the first portion of training camp, that that can be their guy. And the other part of this, too, and I feel like 49er fans, a lot of them have lost sight of this. But right, like the thinking, what have we heard the narrative about Trey Lance is? Well, they were willing to give him 2021 and sacrifice wins for his development, which, by the way, is a crock of bull. But that's what they're trying to sell you. But now, like, 
guess what? We're in the same boat, even if it's Brock for all 17 games, because he's 23 years old. He's in his second year. The idea that he is not going to have growing pains and development, I think, is crazy. Of course he is. Every young player does. And I, I know he came in last year and he was good. I get that. But like, do not think that it's just going to he's just going to come in and throw 11 touchdowns to two interceptions all the time. Like, no, he's going to have bumps in the road, too. But I feel like fans don't have a realistic view of that. Right. And also I'll say this one thing. And I am before I'll put a disclaimer. I am not saying Brock Purdy can't get better. But the one thing that I will say that I have noted through nine practices and really six or seven that Purdy has played, I think it's six. Brock's issues that stem from last season, you can see them popping up again this year. First of all, talking about the deep ball, mm -hmm. Brock Purdy throws the deep ball with great anticipation. He throws it right when he's supposed to, and he's able to pinpoint the correct read to where, you know, he's not necessarily always putting the ball in harm's way. However, the ball ends up in harm's way because the ball is in the air for too long. There have been a couple of times this training camp where Purdy has now put the ball up in the air for a receiver that has beaten his, uh, beaten his defender, even if the ball is on the sideline. Yet it ends up becoming a pass breakup or an incompletion on a 50-50 ball or maybe even a catch on a 50-50 ball because the ball is up in the air too long, which makes it a much more difficult play than it should be should he hit the, uh, the receiver in stride. And that is an issue that I'm starting to seriously consider um, because we have seen Purdy overthrow receivers. I personally don't believe his arm strength has changed. I think it's the same. But that is an issue now that is reoccurring. And there, you know, he processes well. He's able to hit checkdowns. He's doing, he, he can improvise, but there are some parts of the game that I still believe that Purdy, the struggles from last year are still there to where you can truly ask, is his ceiling going to be high enough when you go through those growing pains in 17 weeks to where he can carry you to that, to the Super Bowl? I think that's a fair question. And I also think too, like we're not good at just acknowledging flaws with quarterbacks, right? Like what do we hear about Trey? Oh, he can't hit the short ones. He can't hit the easy ones. Yeah. He misses some short ones. Every quarterback has strengths and weaknesses. Even Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady couldn't move. He couldn't run. Doesn't matter because the rest of his stuff was awesome, but it was exactly. a weakness. Everybody has them, and we hope that both guys can get better at their areas of weakness. But if Brock, you know, doesn't get better at the deep ball and that's what it is, it's like, okay, we know that that's not going to be, you know, necessarily a shot that he has in the golf bag, so to speak. So we always want it to get better, yes, but also, like, I feel like you can work around every player's strengths and weaknesses. And uh, I think that Kyle will. Yeah. There's one interesting take that I've kind of, I have sit on. I haven't really spoken about it recently. And it ties in a little bit to what Vish said in that tweet. I've seen Sam Darnold now and Trey Lance compete for that second, uh, that backup quarterback job. And both players have had really solid days. Both players have had some struggling days. I think Donald's been a little more consistent. Trey has probably had the better overall days. I think they're somewhat equal. Maybe Trey has a little bit of a step given at the end. But my point is I'm looking at the competition and I'm genuinely asking myself at this right now, why is Sam Donald here? <laughs> right. I, and, and it's nothing against him or his talent. I oh, do believe be. he also has flaws. But to me, it's – there is – why is there a need for this third quarterback at the moment? That is a question that I have. Because they're saying, look what happened last year. Look what happened last year. But like, I don't get it either. To me, it should be Brock. If that's the route you want to go. Okay. I wish it was Trey, but I get, I could at least understand the thinking of going with Brock, but everything they've said about Trey is that they love him and that he's never looked better. That he's, he's been, more accurate than he's ever been. His mechanics are better than they've ever been. So if that is all true, then there should be no competition for the number two quarterback. It should be him because this was the guy you were willing to give the keys to coming off an NFC championship game in 2021. So I agree with you. Why is he here? And if you say they needed to sign a veteran, okay, but I still don't think it should have been that veteran. Mr. Exactly. Ghostbusters, Mr. Human Turnover waiting to happen, 90 combined interceptions and fumbles in 56 career games. The, the Darnold thing has never, ever, ever made sense to me. But all we need to know is that Kyle loved him coming out in 2018, and that's why he's here. To me, Sam Darnold and Trey Lynch, like, there needed to be a clear winner in, in that book. And to me, I also personally don't understand 
the significance of a battle for the backup quarterback position. <laughs> that is a the thing there. But the other part, see, Kyle Shanahan speaking with Tim Kawakami on the podcast they do annually, he said they signed Sam as a hedge on Brock Purdy because they didn't understand whether he would be healthy or not at this point of the season. Yes. Well, if that was the case, they could have signed any other quarterback for a lot, a hell of a lot cheaper, that's for sure. And they could have shored up maybe another position or gone after another premier talent guy that they uh, that or even move the money to next year. To me, that was an interesting decision. And really, it hit me when I'm watching the quarterback battle because it's middling. Both quarterbacks, in my opinion, are middling there. It's not like I've seen too much special things out of both quarterbacks. And again, I'm not trying to deteriorate what they've done, but I haven't been impressed overly impressed to the point where I can really point and say, that's the guy. And to, when, when that happens, I'm questioning why overall they signed this guy. So here's the question for you. Let me ask you, who does the tie go to? Cause to me, if they're really tied, it should go to Trey Lance. Like there's no reason he should go into the season at QB three, but do you think the Niners and Kyle see it that way? At the moment, I'm not sure, but I, I do believe the edge goes to Trey Lance. First of all, on the performances, I give him the slight edge because it was a tie heading into the last day. I thought Trey had a good day, did not think Sam had a good day. And, you know, it, it's still subject or not subjective, but, you know, everyone will have a different opinion. To me at the moment, though, the way that it's looking, it's interesting because Trey was the clear you know, he'd get the reps with the, he'd always start with the twos. He'd always get the reps with the twos until the last two days. Sam has started with the twos. It's been a very even split. And then yesterday, Sam started with the ones, although it was a very even split. If I were to go one way, I would probably lean towards Trey Lance to, uh, to be the top option of the backups. I think that they probably prefer what they have in him more. But the fact that it's a coin flip, you know, it, it's still it's I'm, that's just a disappointing factor of the quarterback situation. Well, so let me say this. It, you could argue it both ways, right? I could say, look, yeah, Trey Lance, you should be blowing Sam Darnold out of the water, right? This is the start of year three for you. You're supposed to be so good. Why aren't you kicking Sam Darnold's butt? Or I could flip it around and I could say, look, Trey Lance hasn't finished two straight games since 2019. He's coming off major ankle surgery, in fact, multiple ankle surgeries, and he completely revamped his mechanics while rehabbing and doing all that stuff. And guess what? He's doing just as good, maybe a little bit better than a seasoned NFL veteran. So I think he's on, you know, a great track. You could argue both sides of it with this, which is why it's like so frustrating. No, definitely. And I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the issue with the, what the 49ers have put themselves in at quarterback. Now, would you have maybe liked to see one of them get some first team reps, not necessarily a competition, ensure that Brock is the guy who they believe is the starter, but see what another guy could do with the same opportunity that Brock got. Sure. Personally, at this point with what I've seen, I honestly don't think it would have made a difference. I, I still don't believe that if you had one of the other two. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Guys, with the first team reps, that they would overwhelm you enough to where you can, you can make an argument for them to unseat Purdy given what he's done. But still, the unfortunate reality with me is going into the season, I don't feel as confident about the quarterback situation as I wish I would have heading, out of, or heading into training camp. But you know, let's wait and see where it goes from here now because there's real defenses. Now there's real games. 
you know, I think if if anything, I think that's where Trey can separate himself because I think when Sam gets into the real game, the ghosts are coming back. And I think Trey, I think Trey, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he went into it saying, you know what? I got nothing to lose. I'm going to let this rip. I'm just going to go out there and tear it up and show all these fools why I was the third overall pick in the draft and why they should, they were right to give me the keys in 2021. And I think he's just going to go and let it rip. And I really, really hope he does. Uh, and so if that's the case, then there will be a separation point over the next three, four weeks. I will say this. There's been one kind of partial negative that I've noticed about both. Trey Lance, it does seem like, I don't think he's feeling the pressure, but it does seem like he wants to prove that a little more than others. He has looked to be aggressive, and that has led to some of his bigger mistakes. A couple of, he had an underthrow on, uh, on, on Saturday, an overthrow on Saturday to an open receiver. And then he's also, the interception, the lone one that he's had in camp was one where he tried to fit it in, tried to be overly aggressive, and he should have just hit the check down. So there are times where you want him to hit the check down and want him to be not as aggressive, which of course is not as flashy and will not give him as high of a boost. But then also I do have to give praise where praise is due because there are times where you've seen Lance grow from those mistakes and then hit the check down. Obviously, no one's going to report that. It's a check down, right? And (laughs) it's something like that. But I think that that's also important. To me, some of his best throws in training camp have come on checkdowns where he's made the decision, gone to that fourth read, and hit the checkdown. Can I ask you this too? Like, because I know every time he misses a short throw, we get notified immediately. Trey Lance missed a short throw. But like, how many of the short throws is he missing? Is he hitting most of them, or is it really as bad as some people are making it seem? He's probably okay. I'll say this: he's probably missed one to two every every uh, every practice. Maybe two might be stretching it, but. Sometimes it's two, sometimes it's one. And of the short throws, so he'll probably attempt 10 throws. Of them, six would be, five or six would be short throws. So it's like one miss. It's like a 20% rate or so that I would say maybe he's missing short throws. So like, what are we freaking out about here? Like, is that really that big a deal? I, I would be willing to live with that, especially if he's hitting some of these other more challenging throws down the field. I agree. I mean, I think that that... That portion of Lance's game, I think you could have made a much stronger argument last year. This mm-hmm. year, I think that argument is overblown. A lot of the flaws that people might be pointing out about Trey Lance's game, I think made a lot more sense last year. When you were talking about, because he was missing high and wide on throws outside, like uh, on those out routes, on the deep out routes, he'd miss high and wide. That's been his best throw of all of camp. Every single, he's hit that every single time. I even pointed out his worst throw that I've seen on a deep out was a completion. It was just, he hit the inside shoulder instead of the outside shoulder, but the ball was thrown with such velocity that it got to the receiver before the defender could break on the play, and Mm -hmm. it was still a completion. So that's something to point out. But there are some flaws that obviously have carried over. The short throws are one of them, but it's at a lower capacity than last year. I honestly thought he was not a starting level quarterback as a passer last year, but I did think that he could develop into one with the favorable situation that Kyle would place him. I hope so. Like, and he'll never, he's got to play and have the opportunity. It's not, he was never just going to walk into camp and be like, Oh, he's good. Now he's all set. He's fixed. Like it was always going to be a process. And he just, unfortunately through injury and circumstance, he hasn't had the runway that I think he's going to need. But if history is any indication, he'll get, the chance if he's the number two quarterback, he'll get to play this year, according to what we've seen for the, since 2014. Ryan Hensley put out a tweet. I think it's 83% that uh, because obviously in the Shanahan era, there's only been one year of a healthy quarterback play. 83% chance given our history that it's going to happen. Real quick, want to get to a super chat here from Nicholas Parra said, I guess we'll find out a lot more about the quarterbacks in these joint practices and then in the preseason preseason but it's crazy what a difference a year makes especially in the case of Troy Lance and the guess uh, in the end I guess I'll have faith in the staff I want to ask you though because I know you've had your gripes with Kyle Shanahan at times yes, do you I... have faith in the staff when it comes to the quarterback no I don't and I and I I want to say I love Kyle Shanahan I love so much about the way he runs the team and has built the team and the roster and I love the way they evaluate players I think they've been very smart about saying you know what you're good and we love you but you're not worth what you're going to get on the free agent market so we're letting you leave see McGlinchey comma Mike that was 
they're good at that. They're awesome at that. But when it comes to the quarterback, they don't know what the hell they're doing. They have never started and finished a quarterback plan from the beginning, right? Because it was supposed to be Cousins. That was going to be Cousins. And then they lost a hell of a lot of games, and they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. And then it was going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. And then they figured out, well, you know what? Maybe not. Maybe we should go get Tom Brady. And then then they tried to get Stafford, and Stafford was the plan. And that didn't work. And then they traded up to number three for a spot. And then it was going to be Mac Jones. And then maybe it wasn't going to be Mac Jones. It was going to be Trey Lance. But then when Trey Lance was supposed to start, they brought Jimmy Garoppolo back. They never start and finish a quarterback plan. And so while I have faith in every other aspect of the organization, when it comes to this one spot, they haven't done anything to earn my faith. I think that that is very fair. And I, I'm one of the bigger Kyle Shanahan guys on Twitter, on, you know, in the 49er discourse. I personally believe that he's done so much good to help this organization. But the one gripe that I've had with him throughout his tenure and the gripe that I could personally see him, if he was going to get fired, it was for this situation. And it would be the quarterbacks because that is one situation that I believe he has royally screwed up throughout his tenure here. And it's not only in identifying the players to play the position, it's the ways that he's gone about the position. And stats just pointed out maybe five or six decisions where the 49ers have incorrectly gone about making the quarterback choice that they should have done or you know the path that they've gone through and at the moment that's why when you talk about a quarterback situation like the one we have currently where personally I don't believe any of them are overwhelming it's tough to say that you have faith in Kyle Shanahan to make the correct decision until it comes true that's why we're hoping this year is the year overall but right now I can't necessarily say that I'm confident based on what I've seen thus far in training camp And I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt in other areas. For example, I was worried about the offensive line last year. Like I had real concerns and you know what? Like they proved me wrong. Aaron Banks ended up being a solid starter. Spencer Burford was kind of up and down, but he was good enough. Right. And so this year I still have some concerns about the offensive line, but I'm going to say, look, they proved me wrong last year. They've earned the benefit of the doubt that they know what they're doing with McKivitz at right tackle and that that they're going to be better on the offensive line. So I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt there because they've shown that they can evaluate and then it's worked out. So I'm fine with that. I'm fine with the secondary. I, I do wish they maybe, you know, added some pieces, but the secondary was okay last year. So I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt again, but not a quarterback. They're just, it's been too much. It's been it's like a lack of importance at the position. I think Kyle views it like any other position and it's not, it's not any other position and they need to start treating it like it's not any other position. I agree. I agree. I think this is a good segue because the quarterback is certainly a question that I have, but I wanted to ask you, what are some of your biggest questions heading into the joint practices, heading into the preseason that you have about this team and the roster? Um, uh, the roster, I would say, I'm interested what happens in the running backs because, yes, Christian McCaffrey, we know he's awesome, good. But you're going to need more than one. Elijah Mitchell is hurt again. He was hurt in minicamp. He was hurt all last year. He missed 16 of the 20 games that they played last season. What's what's going on at running back? I know Jordan Mason's had some fumbling issues at camp. And every opportunity the 49ers coaches get They are singing the praises of Ty Davis Price, who's like Lazarus here, rising from the dead, apparently. So that's one of the things I'm going to be watching, especially early in the preseason. Like, what's going on at the running back? Who looks the best? Because I think there's a real possibility, especially if they were able to get like a a fifth-round pick, that Elijah Mitchell is not on this team to start the year. I like that take. And personally, going into training camp, I was wary. A lot of people suggested that. I was wary about the 49ers moving on from Mitchell because I want a three, a, a strong three-headed horse given the injury history at this position because the 49ers like to use a multitude of running backs every game, and I wanted three players in Mason, Mitchell, and McCaffrey. But the emergence of Ty Davis-Price, in my opinion, has made Elijah Mitchell expendable, especially with another injury that he's faced. That lower body of his unfortunately can't hold up in a 17-game season. He's highly efficient when he is in the game, but you can't depend on that. And I think if they can offload him for a fifth round pick, I would be fine with it. My question with the running backs to me that I want to throw to you is I'm very curious to see how Jordan Mason is as a pass catcher. I think the one true separation between Ty Davis Price and Mason 
is not what they're running. I think both of them have proven to be capable runners in different ways, of course, but a, capable runners for sure for the 49ers. I think it's the pass catching. That is something I noticed last offseason in limited reps, of course, but Mason proved to be a solid pass catcher in my opinion. I think he's carried that over. Want to see that in the preseason. And I always go back to this. I've mentioned it a bunch of times. During that first game against the Rams last year, right before Debo makes that awesome catch and run where he trucks Jalen Ramsey and goes into the end zone. Aikman is saying that Kyle Shanahan told him, we don't have the t- the kinds of running backs on the roster to play the type of offense that we want to play. Well, lo and behold, a few weeks later, they trade for Christian McCaffrey and all of a sudden the offense explodes. I think Kyle really, really wants a running back that he can feel confident throwing the ball to because it allows him to put so much pressure on the defense, right? That's why Christian McCaffrey is so great because they put him in the slot and it's like, oh my God, the defense has to shift. They can put him out wide and he's a legitimate threat out there. So he has gravity. Beyond Christian McCaffrey, those other guys don't have that kind of gravity. So I think Kyle is searching for somebody to at least show enough in the pass game that they can be a threat that he can continue to do those types of things against defenses. I think that's a great point. And something that I wanted to reiterate this entire offseason, in my personal beliefs about Shanahan and the running backs, I think he's looking for a guy who can replicate that McCaffrey role when McCaffrey's off the field, which means not necessarily a pass-catching first running back, but no, a guy who can at least show promise as a pass-catcher to where if they throw him out and have him be the check down or have him be the option – they're capable. He's capable of catching it, turning it upfield, and doing something with the football, so that they don't have to alter their game plan when McCaffrey's out of the field, which obviously makes it a little easier for defenses. I completely agree. Kyle always wants to play sort of positionless football, scare the hell out of you, line anybody up anywhere at any time, and hit you with you know his best shot. One other question: What are you thinking about the preseason? What am I? I think that they should play. People, I would love to see Brock play in the first preseason game. I, I hope that they don't just roll him out there for like one week or one series in week three. Like I would like to see him get some series in all the games. And then beyond that, I want to see Trey for basically all the first half. And if you must put Darnold in for all the second half, I don't want to see Brandon out there ever. Like, no, 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 no. Trey Lance has been stuck on a desert island, dying of thirst. When you bring the boat to rescue him, you don't wait to give him a drink of water. You give him a drink of water immediately. That's those are the reps for Trey. That's the water. So they need to do it. So I hope that they do. I don't think that they're going to, but that's what I would do if you're the 49ers, especially if you think like Brock is your guy, right? He's your starter. Then what are you worried about with Trey? If he gets hurt, okay, you got Sam. Okay, you got Brandon Allen. Like let him go and just give him extended looks here. You might as well take advantage of the fact that you think Brock is is QB1. I hope that that's the case. I hope that all of uh, both of the quarterbacks, you know, get enough ample opportunity to get their feet wet in this in this offense. Sam for the fact of getting real reps in the 49ers offense, Trey for the fact of we want to see what Trey Lance can do in an extended look because the one other gimmick that I've had about this 49ers quarterback reps and I understand it to a degree is the rep split has been very interesting. There have been times where you see quarterbacks have a significant layoff because what the 49ers are trying to do, it's clear, especially when I what I saw yesterday, they're trying to provide some level of continuity for both quarterbacks. So throwing them out there in consecutive sets or playing them with the first team on consecutive sets and then with the second team on consecutive sets, they're trying to develop some level of continuity. Of course, having it like within a five-minute period and then you know flipping it is obviously not optimal, but – with the way that you can now structure it for the 49ers in, uh, in, in the preseason, where you can actually give them a full quarter, I want to see what the guys can do with more continuity than what's been provided thus far. Yeah, and also, like, if they have a three and out, like, okay, let them go back to the sideline, study it, and not be freaking out, like, oh, my God, I, I missed my opportunity, you know, I'm blowing this thing. Like, no, give them a little breathing room, and I really hope they do. And also, I want to see some of the other wide receivers on this team. I know Debo's great. I know Ayuk is great. Like, I'm fascinated to see Ronnie Bell. Like, I keep hearing good things about him. I don't think that Ray Ray McLeod's spot on the team is necessarily, like, locked down, guaranteed. So, I would like to see Ronnie Bell. I like to see Tay Martin. I like to see all these guys. Even Isaiah Winston. Is that still a thing? Is he still, like, around? I haven't heard anything about him. 
He's I watch a little bit. Yeah. I watch those YouTube videos, damn it. I want to see these guys because to me, behind Debo and Ayuk, I think anything is up for grabs when it comes to the receivers. I think people are going to be fascinated with what they see from the receivers because you won't expect Ayuk and Debo to play that much in the preseason. The 49ers have a good receiver room. Uh, like you mentioned a couple of the guys in the back end. Danny Gray is a guy who I personally have, believe is significantly improved from his rookie season. Didn't think he was an NFL level receiver last year, but I had high hopes from the draft. I think he has transformed this year and is going to be a solid player in the limited reps that he'll get this year. But he's a guy. I want to see, obviously, Tay Martin, Chris Conley, and Ronnie Bell. Those are the other three because I think the 49ers could have an argument to carry five or sorry, six receivers on this team. And that could open up the possibility of adding Ronnie Bell or a Tay Martin to this team. And, um, you know, having some competition there at the end of that group is going to show out in the preseason. Yeah, I should have mentioned Danny Gray, too. I, I want to see that, too, because Kyle's been searching for that speed guy forever. He tried it with Marquise Goodwin. He tried it with, uh, of course, now his name is escaping me. Oh, I can't think of the other speed guy. You talking about Jalen Hurd? No, no. Oh, darn it. I can't think of it. There was another guy that he was like, we, we got to have him on the field. He's our speed guy. Like, he wants that element in the offense, but Goodwin couldn't stay healthy, and the other people just couldn't have the impact that they needed to have. It's not enough to be able to just run fast. You actually have to be able to get open and catch the ball. And Danny Gray was as fast as advertised, which is something that's not always the case, too. So I want him to be able to contribute because – if he can stretch the field in a significant way, that's going to open up everything else underneath. And they do need that element. And they don't have anybody else that's anywhere as close to as fast as Danny Gray. I agree. And I mean, earlier coming into training camp, I was pretty determined. This is a 2024 guy. I think the 49ers roll with their five receivers from last year. They've got a strong contingent of players, allow Grady to really get his feet wet again and then develop and go into 2024 with the wheels turned on. But this year, I, I'm it's my mind is easing easing up on that idea just because personally I think Gray has proved himself to be better again he's working with the twos and the threes but his release package and his work at the line of scrimmage is much better to where last year he was getting stuck at the line of scrimmage he wouldn't move in one-on-one -on -one reps sometimes against the top cornerbacks this year you'll see him be able to win reps at the line of scrimmage and then also utilize his speed better in his route running that was an issue in in, in his college tape where he would sacrifice some of that speed because his route tree wasn't as extensive. And so we'd, when he'd run different routes, it would struggle a little more. That's not the case as much this year. So excited to see what he does, especially because he looks stronger as well. Well, that's good to hear because, yeah. And also, by the way, he needs to stay healthy. Like he oh, would yeah. just wind up with a random calf strain before the game. And you'd be like, what the hell, Danny Gray? Like, what have you been doing? How are you hurt? So hopefully he can stay healthy too. I agree. Got a good question here from Nicholas Parra, Super Chat here. Besides the quarterback depth chart, what other position groups do you see as the most important? Some good players are going to make the 53, aren't going to make the 53, can't wake. So essentially, what do you think are the most competitive groups that you're excited to see? I'm kind of excited to see some of the backup offensive linemen. Um, I've been like fascinated by Jason Poe ever since he became part of the team. Like he's this tiny guy. Chris Forster just said he's probably the second strongest guy on the entire team. That's interesting. Which is like, yeah, that's not a small thing. Uh, so I'm fascinated to see him also like a, a small offensive lineman to me is like always just interesting. But like, can he actually contribute because he's super athletic? Like, I think if he if he can prove that he's not going to get completely shoved around back there, I think he does give Kyle some options to do some kind of crazy things on the offensive line. Nick Zakel is another guy we heard a lot about last year, but we've seen with the 49ers. Sometimes it just takes a year for guys to get in there, get in the system you know, get their bodies where they need to be and also learn what the team is going to ask of them. And so now we're in year two with those guys. So I want to see it because the depth on the offensive line is, is, you know, it's a question mark right now. And so I want to see, like I said, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt, but let's see that faith rewarded. I agree with you in that I give the benefit of the doubt at the offensive line position. And I, I honestly think Chris Forster is one of the more telling guys. I really like when he has his interviews. Yes. He talked about Jason Poe yesterday about being the second strongest guy. But he also talked about the fact that the 49ers might be realizing they might need to move him specifically to center. So they're going to slowly integrate him as a center, which will likely be on full display in the preseason. Play primarily at either guard spot this offseason um, because – 
Forster said. He's not as communicative as a player, which is integral at the center position. And so once he starts to develop that, we'll see how he responds at center. Nick Sakel, another player who they've seen at all three spots. It's interesting. I think the 49ers are honestly right now comfortable a little bit at backup center with Zakel and with Feliciano. The reason being, first of all, I think it's primarily with Feliciano. But the reason being, they have played Keith Ichmael out there at the second team center for the majority of training camp, and he hasn't looked good. He, he, <laughs> he botches a bunch of snaps and things like that, but they haven't really changed much. And they've allowed Feliciano to play at guard and now with the first team with Aaron Banks out due, due to a concussion. Yesterday, Forster brought up how um, Feliciano is best suited at center, and he's also probably the 49ers' top backup offensive lineman at guard as well. So it seems like he's their top guy. The big curious question for me is, do they carry eight or nine? Because they'll carry a swing tackle. If they carry nine, I think there's space for all three, Feliciano, Zakel, and Poe. But if they only carry eight, which I believe they did last year, it's only going to be two of those three. And I think Poe would be the odd man out in that circumstance because uh, Forrester talked about like his arms like just aren't long enough. <laughs> like So basically what they're telling you is we think we can only play you at one spot, right? So your versatility is pretty much nothing. And we still have questions about whether you're vocal enough and, and can do the things that that position requires. So if they, I think if they had to make a cut, that Poe would be back on the practice squad. And I think they probably feel a little more comfortable there too, understanding that the 49ers share those concerns. So do other teams probably True. about Jason Poe. He could probably make it back to them. One last thought that I have, question for the preseason that I want to see, because I think this is going to be on display to start. It's about Steve Wilkes. One thing I've noticed this training camp is how on hands-on, Steve Wilkes is really hands-on with his players. He will pull Charverius Ward, Diamond Lenore to the side during special teams drills, and he'll teach them technique. He is using every single minute possible, and he's hands-on with his defensive backs. He's uh, he's obviously specifically working with defensive backs, Holland obviously with the linebackers, Kosarek with the defensive line, but he's not going to transition to a role in the booth because he said this year he's going to call plays from the booth. He likes to see things better from up there. I wonder how much, like, what the change will be like from going from being so hands-on to virtually no hands-on working from the booth. Yeah, I was really surprised by that, too. I was surprised he was going to be up there. Number one, because, like, not going to lie, I, I always liked the shots of the Niners D coordinator when something good happened. It was always cool to see Sala and D'Amico freaking out on the sideline. Um, but when I heard he was this hands-on, I actually was kind of surprised, like, oh, now he's going to go away and go up to the booth. But I think it, it kind of points to, like, he wants to see the game from the secondary perspective. So his plan is probably, like, be, you know, hands-on during the week, but then I need to be, maybe he wants to be sort of separated and objective from everything and not get caught up in the the emotion of what's going on on the sidelines. And yes, Jedi, I see your your comment they have a phone they it's not like they they can still talk we get it um no that's true but i honestly think I, I wonder does that change at any point during the season if they're struggling maybe right if it's going good he's he's not going to move but uh, i mean he's getting rave reviews fred warner did an interview with kmbr where he said he could already see the changes that wilkes has made with the secondary like paying off and making them play better which is pretty high praise i agree Question here from Emiliano talking about camp. Seems like the quarterbacks are up and down. Is the receiver unit the same? Because I'm hearing different players every day do things. One day it's Conley, Gray, then Sneed. The receivers are different than the quarterbacks. When you hear about the receivers shining out, it's because overall that room shines nearly every day. And so there are some players that shine more, so you're going to hear more love towards them. For example, on Saturday, Willie Sneed had the catch of the preseason. I mean, uh, or sorry, of training camp. I honestly, in real in real life, I had no idea how he caught that ball. <laughs> I had no clue. He it looked like he couldn't even see where the ball was going because Womack was on him like that. Just what a great catch there! So he'll stand out on that day, but that doesn't mean players, other players, didn't stand out. I thought Danny Gray had a good day yesterday as well. But you will hear more about the players that really stand out compared to other players because of how much talent and how much generally positive news that you'll hear from the receiver position on a regular day. Yeah, and I think that's a good point too, right? Standout means you rose above the rest. 
But it doesn't mean the rest was necessarily bad. It just means, hey, this person was really, really good, but other people could be good too. You know, it's not always a zero-sum game, especially when you're not talking about the quarterbacks. There we go. Yeah, I, I do agree with you there. And that is another thing that everyone's going to be able to view in the preseason because you'll hear about the standouts. You'll hear about what he what everybody plays. And I try and put, you know, the best of every uh, best and worst, just an overall overview in my offense articles every day. But you guys are going to get a good sense of it overall, because in the preseason, you're going to see the best and worst of all of the receivers. They'll get extensive coverage playing in such, you know, they'll play for 60 minutes. It's not like when the top guys get to sit, that's just a bigger opportunity for the guys who are truly competing and the guys who we really want to watch. And the cool thing too, especially with the receivers is like, Kyle's going to get these guys open. So we're going to yeah. get the chance to see these guys get the ball in space and see what they can do. So that's always really fun to evaluate uh, Niners receivers. And because of Kyle, he's going to give them chances. I agree. But Rob, this has been an amazing show. I appreciate you giving me your time. We're going to go ahead and wrap things up here. Thank you wait, guys wait, so can much. We to the, can we get oh, to the okay. Bosa stuff? I'm seeing a lot of people talking about Bosa in the chat. Ah, I just caught this too. Okay, we'll end today on Bosa because people got to be worried a little bit about Bosa, I'm sure. What are your thoughts on the situation overall? I was very surprised last year when John Lynch said, hey, we've budgeted for this, right? That was his big thing. It's like, when you say that, you're telling people that like this isn't going to be a big deal. And you're telling Bosa's people that, hey, we're going to pay you. We're prepared to pay you, right? Well, here we are a year later. And I, what I've said is, if you've budgeted for this, that means you have the money. So just pay the money and get it done, right? If I'm saving up to buy a television, which as a matter of fact, I am. Once I get enough money to buy the TV I want, I'm going to the store and I'm buying it. I'm not sitting around. And so John Lynch has been telling us that he's been prepared for this and all this stuff. And yeah, I'm, I'm not worried yet, but I'm getting to the point where I'm going to start to be worried very quickly. I, I just hope it gets done because like this, this should be the easiest contract negotiation in the world. We know TJ Watt, what he makes. We know Aaron Donald, what he makes. You bump it up a little bit with Nick Bosa and you get it done. Like it should not be this difficult. And yet here we are. And I mean, Nick Bosa is an interesting case, right? Because when you talk about him, I, I like the point that you brought up the history. They said they budgeted it for a full year. They've kind of said, even at the end of the year, press conference interviews, they've said Nick Bosa is going to be a 49er for a long time. They've talked in a way as if this deal was going to be done regardless. And am I concerned at the moment? Not necessarily. Overall, I, I, I'm not necessarily as worried just because it's Nick Bosa. If it was a different player and their preparation, I would be worried. But a comment for me um, was interesting from John Lynch. He said even at the peak of his career, it would take about a month to get ramped up. Well, that month is coming up. August 12th is one month before the season, and that's in six days. I personally thought Bosa was going to be signed second week of training camp. Clearly, that's uh, you know that's out the window right now. We'll see if Bosa comes back and you know he's back to his normal self whenever that is. But the point is you need to get him in a contract. And I truly thought this one was, you know, we, we've heard everything about the Boses, how um, obviously they operate with the way that they structure, uh, with the way that they do deals and things like that. But I thought this one would be a little easier than normal, uh, just because the 49ers aren't competing with another team or player at that contract. It's all set values, and it has been for a while, because TJ Watt was the last huge contract that could really um, shake up the market. That's been done for a while. And so I'm curious to see when this deal comes through. And now, truly, how much of a met, like which side truly caves first for this deal to, uh, to come through? Well, and that's an inter interesting point because they say deadlines spur action, which I think is true. It just the question is like, what is the deadline and how do you get both sides to recognize that? But I agree with what you said about Lynch. That comment to me was the first time we heard anything from anyone with the 49ers that, was that wasn't simple. just, yeah, that wasn't just, oh, Bosa can roll out of bed and play. It was the first time it was like, no. We actually do need him to get in camp and get this going. And, you know, maybe it's Bosa being like, you know what? I don't really like training camp. I don't really need training camp. You know, maybe he just doesn't want to do it. That's a factor, too. It could be that the deal is agreed to. And maybe that was John Lynch's way of saying, hey, dude, like, you actually do need to get in here. Don't think you can just roll out of bed and play. Maybe. But at this point, we'll see. Hopefully, you know. I know a lot of people were hoping he'd probably be here for the joint practice. He wouldn't play in the preseason necessarily, 
But now, instead of having training camp or the joint practices as a tune-up, you might see Nick Bosa suit up in a preseason game, just get his feet wet a little bit before the 49ers start their season. Yeah, you have to. If if it's that late, like you you have to give him some run. Like you you can't prepare for football without doing football. I know that sounds kind of weird, but I really do think it's true, and I think the 49ers believe that too. Yeah, I mean that that's that's a that's a very good point, and we'll see how it goes, and hopefully it comes sooner than later, especially with that one month timeline before the start of the season coming up very very soon. I can't wait. I can't wait. We're so close. We're so close. I can't taste. wait to turn on that TV, just see football every single Sunday. That's going to be a great, great treat. But, Rob, like I said, it's been a phenomenal show. Appreciate all the time that you've come uh, on and given here. For the chat, thank you guys so much with your comments. Any last things before we head on out before the last day of training camp tomorrow? I uh, just want to take this opportunity for a cheap plug. Of course, follow everything going on here. Follow our channel, the Gold Standard 49ers Podcast Network, uh, wherever you get your audio podcasts and the Gold Standard Network on YouTube as well. Make sure you guys go ahead, subscribe to Rob, add him on Twitter, at Stats on Fire. And I'm sure we'll be back at some point with another show. Thank you guys so much, and we will catch you guys next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.